In this episode, we're going to talk about Google and we're also going to talk about Yandex. Yandex is a Russian search engine and the reason why this is important is because over the last couple of years, Yandex has hired a lot of former Google employees to help them with their search engine. Yandex is a Russian search engine that employs a lot of Google people. The reason why, again, this is so important is because recently Yandex had a leak of their ranking factors that they use to make sure your website show up on the first page of Google. So we're going to talk about quite a few things here. There was nearly 1,900 of these ranking factors leaked recently, and I'm going to show you the, the highlights. 1,900 is a lot of them, right? So we're going to go over probably the five or so negative ones that, that uh, you may want to keep in mind when talking about your website. We're going to talk about a few unexpected ones that even I didn't really think about um, when it comes to trying to get your websites to rank. And we're going to talk about some of the more positive ones as well and how you can specifically use this to grow the traffic on your site and continue growing and getting that passive income that you've all been looking looking for. Let's go ahead and talk about it. What is up? My name is Chris and welcome to episode 81 of the Blogger Evolution. Here we talk about building passive income streams that work for you so you don't have to. So if you want help to build those streams, consider subscribing on your favorite podcast listener. And also before we get started, please be sure to go check out the link down in the show notes, bloggerevolution.com slash workshop. That's bloggerevolution.com slash workshop. If your goal is to make a full-time income and completely replace your uh, current income with the income of a niche site or a website, you can do so just by following a few simple steps. It's difficult to do, but it's not as hard as most people make it seem. So be sure to go check out the uh, the, the training down in the uh, show notes, bloggerevolution.com slash workshop. It's about an hour long. You know, I don't, I don't want to lie to you, but it will help you kind of crystallize this whole process on how it works so that you can finally live that dream, you know, you, you've been looking for, whether it's just to pay an extra couple of bills. That's when I, when I first got started, that's what was a big deal for me just to pay the cell phone bill, just to pay, you know, the light bill, but then it started paying the mortgage and it started paying a lot of other bigger bills. So if that's your goal and you want to get these niche sites, these websites to continue growing, continue getting traffic, continue getting income, be sure to go check it out, bloggerevolution.com slash workshop. You will not be disappointed. So let's go ahead and jump in now to this amazing resource now that we have when it comes to this Yandex leak. So I know, first of all, you might be thinking Yandex isn't Google, right? So why are we even worried about this? Well, just like on the onset, uh, Yandex has hired a lot of former Google employees. And you can actually look and look into it and see a lot of the people within LinkedIn who are currently using Yandex as you know, as being a software engineer or a senior software engineer or whatever, you can see that they used to be an engineer over at Google and usually for like eight or 10 years. So they've been there a while and now they're working at Yandex. Now, uh, with that said, because of this leak that has happened with Yandex, there is 1,922 different ranking factors that Yandex uses in order to determine where your website lands on their search engine on Yandex's search engine. So there's going to be a little bit of a correlation. So I do want to give, uh, you know, um, a caveat here that this is what Yandex is using is not necessarily exactly what Google is using. But at the end of the day, you got to admit, this is good information to see at least what Google is thinking. 
the ty- the types of ranking factors that Google uses to determine how our websites land on the front page of their of Google of of their search engine it's a complete mystery. It has been a mystery for years. We know a lot of the things that has worked based on testing in the past and based on algorithm updates, but to be able to get a real insight as to the state of mind that Google even might be remotely having can be helpful for us, all right? So that's why I wanna go into these. So uh, let's go into a few of the negative ones, right? So these are things that you want to be careful of. These have the highest negativity in uh, in terms of the weights for initial ranking factors for your site. All right. So number one is going to be the factor that says uh, it's called the FIADV. So, I mean, I'll just give you exactly what it means. Now, this is in Russian. So a lot of this had to be translated. So there might be a little bit lost in translation, but hopefully we can get the whole point. So the first one is this FIADV one. It says this factor determines that there is advertising of any kind on a page and issues the heaviest weighted penalty for a single ranking factor. So what this is saying is that if your website has display ads, it can possibly hurt your ranking factors on your website. So let me tell you what I think about this whole thing. So Google runs ads. That's just what they do. That's how they make the bulk, the majority of their revenue each and every year. And one thing that they have is Google AdSense. They want people to sign up on Google AdSense so that they can make more money with it. But I think what's interesting in this first one that we're looking at, it says uh, that it needs to be really like ridiculous to the point to where it's annoying. So there is a bit of a limit as to how much we can put out there on Google in terms of advertising. Now, when I first got into this blogging thing, I was all affiliate all the time. And we did recently uh, interview um, Jason Mills over at the Affiliate School. Uh, That's a great YouTube channel. Be sure to go check it out. But we interviewed him uh, on an episode of the Blogger Evolution. Be sure to go check out that interview because he talks about how he never uses display ads for anything. He's never placed a display ad on one of his websites ever, and he's doing just fine in this game, right? So uh, that might be you know, a reason why, is that he's never put advertisements on there. But I know a vast majority of people who make the majority of their income from just display ads on their website, but it can't get crazy. And when I say crazy, I'm thinking about those weird websites where you click on it, and, you know, is you know, the whole site is just littered with ads. We're talking about the pop up on as soon as you land. There's ones on the bottom, on the sides, in the middle. And then it causes you to refresh the site so that you can go on to the next page. And it just keeps going and going. And it takes minutes or even seconds for these ads to load. And that gets annoying. That's the kind of negative impact I believe ads gives. Because if ads was a completely wrong thing that we should be putting display ads on our websites, then Google wouldn't be offering AdSense, right? And in many instances, AdSense, uh, uh, Mediavine, AdThrive, you know, some of the big ones out there, even Ezoic, they do a decent job in making sure that these ads do not slow down the user experience, does not slow down the site. So that's what I think about number one. Take it or leave it, it's my opinion, we'll, we'll go from there. The next one is the FI Dater 
age. Now let's go ahead and go into what this one says. This factor is the difference between the current date and the date of the document determined by a data function. The value of one is a document date is the same as today. Zero is a document that is of 10 years, uh, 10 years or older. Or if the date is not defined, this indicates that Yandex has a preference for older content. So this is a big deal. It's something that I tell every single person when they are first getting started with their blogs, because you get into that perfection syndrome or uh, uh, paralysis by analysis where you don't end up doing anything and you just are just stuck there because you're trying to get the perfect blog post before you ever hit publish. I've even had students who are in Blog Builder Pro. That's my flagship course that shows you how to get uh, how to start with blogging. But I've had people get started with that and then they'll say, oh, yeah, I've written 20 articles. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. That's great. Let me see the site. Oh, well, I haven't posted them yet. Why not? You know, why haven't you posted them? You need to post them fast because it's better to get an article out there and get it to start aging in Google as soon as possible. And the ranking factor here with Yandex kind of shows that exact same thing. There's a preference over older content than there is of newer content. So the sooner you can get it out there, the sooner that content can start to age. It might take a few months, it might take a year or two before some of these articles really start to take hold, but it'll take even longer if you never post it, all right? The cool thing about um, blogging, is that once you put an article out there, you can always go back to that article and change it. You can't do that with YouTube, right? You put out a YouTube video, that video is the video, and there's nothing much you, much more you can do about it. You might be able to do a little bit of slight editing on uh, after the video has been posted, but nothing crazy, right? The cool thing about blogging is just get the article out there because you can always go back and update it later, but you wanna get that document date as this ranking factor is showing. Um, on the internet as soon as possible so that it can start aging and then start getting you some uh, uh, traffic to your site. So the next one is called the uh, F-I-Q-U-R-L stat power. So let me just read specifically what this says. Uh, this, this factor is the number of URL impressions as it relates to the query. It seems as though that they want to demote a URL that appears in many searches to promote diversity of results. So what this particular one, in my opinion, is saying is that when you have the keyword in your URL, it's going to help with how it gets clicked on in terms of how it relates to the actual query that is searched. So if I am on Google and I'm searching how to clean a coffee maker, I'm going to be or sorry, the search engine is going to be looking for URLs. This is the slug, the part of your URL after your website, yourwebsite.com slash whatever. If I have how to clean a coffee maker in my URL, that's going to help with the ranking factors. If it does not, then that's going to hurt it. And it might even get it demoted, uh, as in it won't be able to rank as much because of the relevance. I think that this particular uh, um ranking factor, a big reason that it exists is this following human behavior. If I Google the phrase, how to clean a coffee maker, best believe in the search results, I'm going to be looking for that exact phrase that I just searched. If I find it all together right then and there, there's more, I'm more likely to click on it than not. But if I also search uh, how to clean my maker of coffee, you know, maybe that's just a weird way that I speak, then that's a phrase I'm going to be looking for uh, in terms of click-through rate. 
Now, we're not saying that either one of those phrases are going to pull up different results on Google because they both mean the exact same thing. However, if you can get the most popular phrase in your particular topic and be able to include that within your URL, you are going to increase the chances of you getting clicked on. But if you don't include it, then it actually might hurt the website or the, that individual page for that particular search query. All right. So that's the that, that's that's one right there. The next one here, it says uh, the FI com links SEO hosts. Now, this factor is the percentage of inbound links with commercial anchor text. The factor reverts to one or zero in the proportion of such links for more than 50 percent. Otherwise, it's set to zero. So this is a shot at uh, backlinking and making sure that you have a diversified anchor text profile. Uh, one, one thing we've always known really about Google is if you post an article onto your site and then you go to another website and let's just say it's the best golf clubs, you know, so you're doing an article for the best golf clubs on your site. Then you go do a guest post elsewhere and you use anchor text, best golf clubs that links to that one. And you go to another one. Also best golf clubs, best golf clubs, best golf, golf clubs. And you do this for a ton of different websites, all pointing to the same thing. Those are all anchor texts that have commercial intent on them. And that can actually negatively affect whether or not that article ranks because it seems unnatural. That seemed unnatural for a very long time. And anytime you're looking up information on a website, you want to look at the anchor text to see what some clear link building uh, or um, you know bad link building done for this particular site in order to lift it up in the search rankings. So the best way to do that, it says right here, the proportion of such links, if, if it's more than 50%, that it can affect the rankings of that um, individual page poorly. All right. So what this basically means is if you are out there doing guest posts, if you're doing niche edits, you need to make sure that you take into account what the anchor text will be that's going to point to that last article. It can't always be best golf clubs. Sometimes it needs to be this site or the name of your site or, you know, Chris over at such and such dot com says this, you know, that way you can have branded anchor text versus all commercial anchor text. OK, but that's kind of what I'm getting from it. So just to kind of, you know, summarize what we talked about. I'm not saying that you need to avoid ads, but, you know, don't get crazy with them. Don't dial them up to 10, maybe dial them up to five or six. Right. Will it hurt revenue? Maybe but go ahead and put it there. However, at the end of the day, you need to test all of this stuff, right? So dial it up to 10, let it run for a month or two, see if your rankings drop. If you don't see any rankings drop, let it ride. But as long as it doesn't hurt the user experience as much, you can probably really push the, the envelope on these ads. Just don't go overboard with it, all right? Be sure to update all um, older content, and you might even want to prioritize that over making new content. This is something that I'm gonna have to make a change with because usually I post content and I don't bother looking at it again in most instances, but in recent months, I have been doing a better job at going back and trying to update different articles. So make sure that you keep that in mind as well. Also, make sure you have branded anchor text and that everything is not commercial be very careful of this um sometimes you can't control this because if other people are linking to you and you don't you, you can't necessarily tell uh but that's not going to be usually your biggest issue your biggest issue is if you are doing active link building making sure that your anchor text is more branded than it is uh, um commercial 
So instead of saying, you know, best golf clubs, make sure that it says www.yourwebsite.com or has your name or your business name or the website name or something like that and then link to it as well. Um, it says that 50% was the the uh, deciding factor there. So I would probably stay away from that as much as possible just in case you know, a, a random link building effort, you know, goes rogue or someone tries to give you some negative SEO for some reason. So I would probably keep that around 30, 70, 30 percent commercial, 70 percent branded. It's going to make a big difference for the entire site anyway, especially if it's branded um, in terms of building a real brand online as well. So let's now look at some of the positive stuff. Those few things we just talked about, those are all things that can hurt your traffic. But we want to keep this positive, right? You want to keep this positive. So let's talk about some positive initial ranking factors um, based on you know all the ones that are included there. We only got a few of these. Number one is uh, the factor that a domain is a .com. It helps. All right. So uh, one of the ranking factors is called is .com. All right. So uh, that's one thing that I've always said. If you can get the .com, go for it. I have seen successful sites that use .net. I have seen successful sites that use .io and .org. But if you can do .com, especially when building niche sites, use the .com. If you can't get the perfect domain name that you're looking for and the .com is not available, and I would probably think about changing the name, especially if you're very, very early on, because it shows a big difference here if you are not using a .com. Um, then it may not hurt your rankings, but based on what we are seeing in these initial ranking factors with Yandex, it's not going to help it either. All right. The next one is Max Word Host Yabar. Not really sure what that means, but this is what the explanation is. The factor description says that the most characteristic query word corresponding to the site according to the bar. This means that the keyword most searched for in the Yandex toolbar is associated to the site. So I believe that this one means that whatever is usually searched for in the toolbar or in the search bar, if you're thinking about Google, is going to heavily depend on whether your site comes up in Google, all right, or comes up in Yandex. So let me just give you an example of this, right? So Blogger Evolution, right? That's a uh, when I first started this podcast, the bloggerevolution.com was not available. Somebody else had it. They weren't using it but someone else had it and I couldn't use it. So I ended up coming up with like another name that was pretty crappy, but um, I did, and because of that, I didn't use it very often. But regardless, I couldn't get bloggerevolution.com. If you went to Google and you Googled blogger evolution, you're not gonna see, you weren't gonna see my site and you weren't gonna see anything. You're gonna see some weird sites that talked about a whole bunch of randomness in terms of blogging, but not necessarily the brand name blogger evolution, right? However, Back in, I don't know, maybe a little over a year ago, uh, I just happened to check and saw that uh, the domain became available and anybody could purchase it. So I went ahead and bought it. And uh, and this is pretty cool because before, I think they wanted like a ridiculous amount of money for it, but they just ended up letting it drop anyway. But regardless, I picked it up and I started using the domain name. And now because I talk about it on the podcast, because I talk about it on the YouTube channel, because I talk about it pretty much to anyone who will listen, um, now if you go to google.com and search blogger evolution, guess what pops up, right? My website, because that particular phrase or keyword is now associated 
with my brand. Uh, the same difference happened when I started the Benji'sDad.com website. Benji's Dad is pretty random two words, right? It's just a name and dad on the end of it. However, after I started sending traffic to it from YouTube, when I started sending traffic to it from, from creating a brand um, on the website itself, now when people search Benji's Dad, it's not like a weird thing that's popping up that just talks about Benji and someone else who happens to be named dad, nothing specific, my brand pops up. And it's all because I believe that's what this particular ranking factor is. So how do we use this? What does this mean? It's better to come up with something so unique that no one else really knows about it, especially when it comes to uh, naming a website. If you come up with a very good domain name that's not too close to another name that will make another different website pop up, that way you can dominate that particular one because your characteristic query word is corresponding to your brand itself. And there's a thin, uh, there's, excuse me, there's a thin line there, obviously, because you want to try to make sure that you include at least one part of your main keyword in your domain name, but also make it unique enough to where when someone does Google it, once your brand is established in Google, it'll be one of the first sites to pop up, right? So that's what I would definitely consider that to mean. The next one is this um, is called the uh, word host clicks. This factor is the clickability of the most important word in the domain. For example, for all queries in which there is a word Wikipedia, click on Wikipedia pages, all right? So what this is saying is that if you can put that main keyword in your domain name, you're gonna have a better chance at ranking and doing better in terms of clicks on the site from users. And since that in turn is going to help you raise up your traffic and uh, rankings within Google itself. So this is the whole, uh, you know, using exact match domains, you know, back in the day, bestcoffeemaker.com, that's probably not the best thing to do nowadays because you wanna help build a brand. But if you're gonna make a coffee site, find some way to put coffee in the title and make it unique and make it interesting and fun so that it can be searched for online. It's going to help with your clickability because when someone searches it, you might have a better chance at being discovered within Google. So no longer exact match domains, but partial match domains where you can put at least one word of the main keyword that you would like to rank for in your domain name, all right? The next one is going to be called a URL domain fraction. Now, this is going to be very similar to one we were just talking about, but it takes a fraction of the word rather than the whole thing. And this is going to be interesting when it comes to creating a creative, you know, brand, unique brand name for your website, because you might be able to just take a few letters away from your primary keyword and create something else. So the example that's given here is the Shelyabinsk Lottery, uh, which abbreviated to Chilato, to compute the value, Yandex will take three letters that are covered, either C-H-E, H-E-L, L-O-T, or O-L-O, and then see what proportion of all the three letter combinations are in the domain name. So if you have a site that's called, or that you're trying to start a coffee site, I should say, you might actually um, come up with a nice unique way of just saying, cough brand, C-O-F-F -F brand, B-R-A-N-D.com or something, right? Because you've taken a portion 
of the domain name itself from the actual keyword that you would like to eventually rank for. You probably will never rank for just coffee. You probably don't want to anyway. But regardless, being able to be lumped in with other coffee sites so that Google knows what your site is about, it, you might be able to take just a fraction of a keyword and use it within your domain name to make a totally new, unique name for your site. All right. So those are some positive ranking factors that you can use in order to help. So just to kind of summarize what we just talked about, number one, get a .com. If you can get a .com, get a .com. It will probably be worth changing up the name of your website to keep the .com, if at all possible. Um, play word games with your domain name. So go online, look up a thesaurus, and just start playing around with it. Don't do anything crazy like spending you know, weeks and weeks trying to figure out what a domain name is. But, you know, put yourself on a time frame and just say you're going to come up with some synonyms for different types of words and then just, just try to fix it in there. Um, perhaps target partial words. So, again, if you were doing um, phone, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you're jumping into the phone niche, maybe you could put P-H-O or something right into that so that you can... Um, at least have a partial match within your domain name itself. And whatever you got to do to drive clicks, drive clicks, right? So change up your your titles while still maintaining your SEO so that you can try to encourage people to click on your stuff. I always try to include some type of unique elements within the URL itself. I'm sorry, the title tag itself so that people will click on it. So best golf clubs, all the ones that I've tested or something like that. That way I kind of stand out from someone else who just says best golf clubs, right? Now, um, the last part of this, let's go ahead and talk about a few unexpected initial ranking factors that I found interesting in terms of, uh, in terms of what leaked when it came to the, this big Yandex leak. Now, one is called classify is shop. Okay. So, Apparently, Yandex is going to, you know, not give you much if your page happens to be a store. Now, this probably won't make a big difference if uh, you're like Walmart, you know, or if you're Target or you, you know, one of these huge big box stores. But if you're like just a Shopify page, that might be clear indication to Yandex that it actually wants something more than just a list of items on a page. Right. So. It makes me wonder, you know, as long as the search intent for the keyword allows it, you may want to see if you can write an article there and just see what happens. Now, this is going to require testing because in a lot of different instances, if the article is not there, if you Google a phrase and you don't see any articles, you don't see any blog posts on that very first page, that might be an indication that Google is not looking for a blog post. But that's why I say specifically, make sure that the query that you're Googling actually has a search intent that's not being met because it's just a whole bunch of e-commerce sites on the first page, all right? So keep that one in mind. Um, another one is called the um, Yandex Bar Host Average Time. So the average dwell time that's on a page. Again, this isn't, this isn't anything that we didn't know already, but it's nice to see at least somewhat of a confirmation that the longer people stay on your website, the long, the better your SEO is going to be. So what you can do to try to increase people staying on your website longer is to uh, give them what they're looking for, include a YouTube video, even if it's not yours, just embed one that's related on YouTube. It's probably always better to create your own, but it's not always um, a, a good example. 
but uh, yeah, that's what you will want to make sure that you take care of. All right. Um, the number of slashes in a URL it can be a ranking factor. And when we say slashes, we're not talking about hyphens. We're talking about forward slash, backslash. I believe you normally use forward slashes when URLs. So if your URL is super duper long because it's just being chopped up by category by category, just getting more and more specific, then you actually might be hurting your SEO within Yandex, which is something that impossibly might hurt your SEO within Google as well. I've always preached, make shorter domain names, sorry, shorter URLs as much as possible. So if you're going after a keyword such as um, how to remove a stain from a green shirt, I probably wouldn't make that the entire URL. I would just take some of the more important words out of that phrase and in the URL put remove stain green shirt or something like that. Make it as short as possible. You don't want it to be anything ridiculous with a whole bunch of slashes or hyphens or whatever. The shorter, the better. It also helps with memorability. Um, if someone finds your site, maybe they want to return to it. It'll be a lot easier to remember if it's shorter rather than something, you know, like crazy long. Another unexpected one is the presence of the query word itself in the header of an article. So it also says it takes into account synonyms, right? So the name of this one is called text head S-Y-N for synonyms. So this is a big deal because it necessarily tells you that you don't have to have the exact phrase in a keyword um, in the title tag or the header of your particular website. It can be a synonym of the exact same thing. Now, the clearest and best way to always test this is if you have two phrases and you're wondering if they mean the same thing, just Google each one individually. Do different results come up? And if different results come up, then Google is considering those two words two separate things. So keep that in mind. Um, make sure that you, I like to go for the more popular version of the phrase. That might even require me sometimes to jump into Google Trends, put both words out there and see which one has more is more popular. And then I might go with it. Um, after the article has been live for a while, you can go back into Google Search Console, look at how long it's been ranking and look at the click-through rate. And one thing that you can probably do to try to increase the click-through rate is maybe change the word of that in the title and see if that can help the click-through rate, which will in turn bring the article higher up onto uh, the, the Google search engines. The next one that I wanted to make sure that we are aware of as well is the link relevance based on the quality of each link. And uh, this is a big deal because it shows that uh, you can't just get any links from anywhere unless it's just a ridiculously high authority site. I would much rather, instead of a DR80 link from you know this place, I'd rather get a DR40 or DR30 from a much niche relevant website. That's gonna help with your relevance and uh, by being known in that particular niche as the authority, right? And if someone links to you, in that particular situation, that's going to help your ranking as well. Um, another one is the proportion of pronoun nouns on the page. Now this one's interesting, it's called pronouns portion. All right, so it doesn't go into great detail as to what this means, but this is what I think it means, all right? If, you writing, uh, if you're writing an article and you use words like I and uh, sh uh, she or he, or this is what I did, and instead of saying, being general and saying they and, uh, you know, being kind of third party-ish with it, if you're actually writing like you're writing to a person, 
that is going to help your rankings. And I believe that because when people land on it, they feel like they're talking to a person who's going through a similar situation that they're going through and they're, they're in a jam and they're looking for a way out. So if you can put your articles in the way of a story almost, it doesn't have to be a long drawn out story. A story can be a couple of sentences, right? But just make sure that people understand that the content that you're creating, you're creating it because you've been there before. This is why it's a big deal that you are actually active in your niche when you are creating content. That way, it is going to uh, help the reader see that, oh, this person knows what I'm going through and can be helpful towards me. And the fact that they are looking at the proportion of pronoun nouns on a page tells me that they're looking for that as well, right? They're probably ignoring words that are always like, you know, if you've ever been in a situation like this, you know, you know how many articles start off like if you're looking for this then you probably should do this. You That's probably why you're reading this article. I, I hate those types of intros. I like intros that say one day I was doing this and I realized that, man, I came into a, this problem and I decided to do some research on it or something like that. I believe that these search engines are looking at that to make sure that what we are creating is actual good and helpful content. So that's what that's my thoughts on that. So I know we've been talking a lot about what Yandex is doing or what they could be doing. But with that said, a report did come out that of these 1922 different ranking factors that have come out that they've already stopped using like a third of them and of the third of them and of the other two thirds, they've already made changes to them and it's not a big deal. Yandex is kind of like freaking out right now and trying to clean it up from the internet. So there is that. And if they weren't actively trying to do that, then, you know, maybe there is some truth to what they're saying about the one third, two thirds thing, or maybe there's not. But regardless, take everything that we just talked about and anything that you might read about what's happening at Yandex right now and trying to apply it to Google with a grain of salt. The idea here is just to get the glimpse in the mind of what Google, what Yandex, what any of these search engines are doing to, to confirm all of these case studies. We're always listening, watching case studies, you know, regardless of what's going on, right? Because we want to see what happened when they tested this. What happened when they tested that? And then we make determinations based on that. However, because of this Yandex thing, we can now go through, look at a lot of these um, uh, different types of case studies, seeing what their conclusions are, and now we can back it up with actual data. Even if it's not recent data, it's data that at one point was the standard, right? And since so many Google engineers now work for Yandex, you know, there's, there's going to be overlap here, all right? Yandex going to ever be as big as Google? No, not even close, right? Google's not going anywhere, regardless of what everyone over at ChatGPT are thinking. By the way, since we're talking about ChatGPT, be sure to go check out episode 80 of this podcast to see what I think about what we should be doing with not just ChatGPT, but any type of AI content. I have a pretty interesting take on it, and I think you should check it out as well. And also, if you want to build your own personal website that generates money online and start replacing some of that income so that you can have more time to do what you want to do when you want to do it, 
Be sure to go check out the link down in the show notes, bloggerevolution.com slash workshop. That's bloggerevolution.com slash workshop. There I have a free training that shows you step-by-step what I did in order to turn this whole SEO and making money online and affiliate marketing and all of this fun stuff into a decent income that can replace what it is you're doing now. So go ahead and check it out, bloggerevolution.com slash workshop, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.